Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I am your host. I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm joined here today, as always, by the one and only Kyle Maggio. What's going on, my man? What's going on, everybody? Uh, We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast family, of course, and we are being presented here today by Untucked and Manscaped. We've got more on them later on. Um, make sure you guys head to the nextwall.com. Check out all the content we have going up on there. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter, uh, you know, at the nextwall at TGW podcast, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on, uh, Apple podcast, wherever you get your podcast, all those things, you know what to do. Um, and I guess the place that we start here today is the Knicks lost another game by 20 points uh, to the Detroit Pistons, 122 to 102. Um, Kind of an interesting game, super close at halftime, and then just got blown wide open, Uh, you know, kind of towards the end of the third. There was one play in particular we'll talk about that I think really shifted the momentum and the Knicks weren't able to get it back. Um, and into the fourth, and it just became non-competitive after a while. Um, Kyle, where do you want to start tonight? Do you want to talk about, uh, I guess, the first guy, you know, that kind of impressed me over the course of the game, and he played 39 minutes tonight. It was Frank Nielakina. Uh Six points really early on in the game for, from uh, what I remember in the uh, first quarter. He had like, it was like two for three shooting really early on. Um yeah, and you know, ended up going five or seven, and you know, made one three pointer early. He uh, scored eleven points. He had four assists. He had three blocks, and those all came in the se- in the uh, first half as well. Um, and, you know, reactive defensively, like really ever everywhere out there. He was you know in the paint. He was on the perimeter. Um, you know, I, I mean, he kind of waned as the game went on, but at least for the first half, you know, I I really loved what I saw out of Frank tonight. Yeah, um, I agree. We all know that I've been very hard on Frank this last season or so. You know, we needed to see him step up. Um, You know, I I think a lot of people are getting excited by his play recently, and I think that that's reasonable. But, you know, proceed with caution. It's been a couple of good games. The Celtics game was uh, a very another very good solid performance from him. You know, ten points, uh, three rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block. You know, he's pretty efficient. Uh, hit a couple of threes. You know, I mean that was that was a good Frank performance. It's all that we really ask of him. You know, the bar is pretty low for him. Ten points, couple assists, and great defense. And we'll, I mean, that's good enough to start for some teams anyway. You know, that's a step in the right direction. So, and now, like, he's obviously been getting the starting role with Dennis Smith Jr. and uh, Alfred Payton out for, you know, different reasons over the last couple of games. 
Um, and bef- up until that point, the Knicks really hadn't been able to find any kind of continuity at the point guard position. Really, the closest we got was was Alfred uh, Payton before he went down with an injury. So, do you, you know, after a strong game tonight, and I would say, uh, you know, a capable couple of games in his last few starts, do you think that he is? Do you think he's done enough to hold on to that starting position when those players come back? Or do you, is there a little bit more he's going to need to do to really earn the coach's trust on that one? I think... I mean, Alfred Payton kind of got the job because he fell ass backwards into it. You know, like, he he's a perfectly fine player, but he's, you know, he's a backup. He's, he's a good, like, spot minute backup point guard. Like that's that's what he is. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not slanderous, but that's who he is. He's not like a good, solid NBA level starting guard. But anyway, you know they were hoping Dennis Smith Jr. could be, and obviously both those guys are out now. And so I don't know. I mean, Alfred hasn't really played well enough to warrant keeping the starting job, in my opinion. And Dennis needs to kind of show that he at least plays up to his standards of last season uh, as a whole. You know, I, he's got to at least look kind of like himself again because the the guy that we saw for whatever, you know, whatever reasons, whether he was rusty or he had issues uh, off the court, because, you know, we know uh, he recently lost his stepmother. So um hopefully now that he, you know, he's tweeting today that he'd be rejoining the team. So we'll see how he looks, but you know, he's got to look like himself. Alfred has to play better, but it's not unreasonable to think if Frank plays these next couple of games, the same kind of way he played tonight, that maybe he holds onto it for at least another little stretch. I mean, that's if he's giving you 12, four and, you know, a combined three or four blocks a game, uh, steals and blocks a game like it's kind of what you want like that's you know that's that's good he's scoring more he's passing more I, it's you need to see more to be sold on it but given the, the state of the point guard situation here yeah I mean to me he's kind of looking like I, I feel like Knicks fans would be really happy if he ended up being if he ends up showing a little bit of what like a guy like Matisse Thybul has showed so far uh, this year, you know, like Thybul's been like really active on the defensive end. It's come up on the set sheet a bit, but like he's just been like a noticeable glue guy that's held the uh, you know the Sixers together in a lot of areas through their you know their when they started the season six and zero. Oh. And I, I think that Knicks fans would be really happy if Frank ended up being like that. You know, another kind of like, I, I think that they have kind of different areas where they might impact the defense, but I think another player who he could, you know, try to like model more of a career after is, uh, um, you know, obviously Patrick Beverly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, I think if he ended up being a little bit like one, you know, one of those kind of players, it's probably too early to, you know, really tell too much with Ibel. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that's really a positive situation for uh, Frank. Um, 
someone else we saw in this game go off on a bit of a run, especially through that first half, was Julius Randle. Um, shot pretty well from three at the beginning there. Uh, he went three for five for the game, eight for 15 on field goals. He scored 20 points. Uh, that was really about it for him, though. He got, you know, five fouls, a couple of turnovers. Uh, you know, not not too much else on the stat sheet, but he, he was pretty active offensively on, in the first half. His defense was awful. Um, you know, but I mean, that's kind of, not unexpected with him at this point. Really, I was just kind of happy to see him putting some shots down because he real like he needed something to go down. He's not had an impact on you know a positive impact on the Knicks in the slightest so far this season. But a uh, good game for him tonight. And then there was that uh, controversial foul call um, where I forget who it was. He was fouling on that three pointer. Was it Markeith Morris? I think. Yeah, it was Morris. Yeah, so he, uh, yeah, so he hit him from three. The Knicks were down one at the time, I believe. One or uh, no, a little, a little bit more than that, but uh, like two or three points. Um, and it ends up being where he fouls him on the three and steps into his spot. So uh, it's ruled a flagrant foul on him, and altogether after. Uh, you know, the free throw and the possession back to the Pistons. It ends up being a six-point play before the Knicks have a hand on the ball again. Um, what what was your impression of that foul call? I, I think that that was kind of the first time I had really seen a flagrant called on that kind of, um, you know, on that kind of a foul before. And I, I just kind of want to get what you made of it. I mean, the refs have been uh, a little more. I don't, I don't know if I want to say strict. That was but old I, no, They they weren't holding back on that tonight. Yeah, I mean, but not just not just like this particular game. I mean, the league in general. I was on Twitter uh, tonight, as I am every night, because this is 2019, <laughs> and I'm addicted to my phone. But um, <laughs> I was on Twitter tonight, and and I noticed that a couple other guys got called for flagrants, like uh, the step under fouls on the jump shot, and it's they're just very strictly enforcing that kind of stuff this year. So uh, I, I guess just stay, you know, stay away. You know, don't rush guys like that. I I don't know. I, it, it's hard. It's hard to not commit those fouls sometimes. I I don't I don't know. They. I, I feel like the context matters. Like if you run into somebody as they're doing it, like okay, you got to call it. But if you're like trying to stop, and then it just so yeah, happens I, to go under. I, you know, I, how is that? I don't agree with that being called a flagrant. Like I think that there is. At least I think that they, they need to do. If, yeah, there's something that like needs to be done about because that that I get it. That is dangerous. Like you can't have guys going to where guys are going to land because we have, we see a lot of injuries that way. Um, but it's it's too steep of a penalty when you can make it a flagrant because like 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 that's like the worst case scenario happened with Nick's night and that's you know that's a potential six points play. Like I get it. Like 
Randall's defense sucked. He shouldn't have fouled on that. Like he was late, he was late getting back there. And, you know, he, you know, it was a lot due to because he hasn't put enough effort into that end. But, you know, that for that one play, like, I mean, that that's a potential six point play. That's just a really, really steep penalty and can really, really swing a game. Because, like, I mean, even if that happens, if the game is tied up, then, like, you're, you know, you're down a pretty good amount at that point. So, like, for the Knicks to have been down a couple of points at that point, it just completely put them out of the game, and they just spent the rest of the game trying to chase that till they gave up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it got ugly quick, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean it really that, swung after that. That first point. half was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really that one called for to me that felt like it really swung it uh you know that kind of ended the game right there i don't know oh and obviously mitchell robinson being out uh with concussion symptoms after eight minutes do we have any update on that no nothing yet um probably you know got to get evaluated tomorrow see how he does tonight and yeah kind of go from there cool yeah i don't know if they could do anything to rule it in or out but um yeah but it's uh yeah so that kind of sucked like hope he's doing okay because i just thought i mean bobby portis was god awful tonight i mean can can we talk about how bad bobby portis was tonight like when he's off god he is he's like a doormat man he and, and i wasn't I'm not trying to. I actually like Bobby a lot as as a. I like the idea of Bobby as a player yeah, yeah, more I than I like him as a player, and I I also think he's a tremendous person, a personality. So I'm not trying to like really rip into him, but he kind of moves like a guy who has arthritis. Like he's just very, like it looks like his body's just straining to go through the movements that he's putting it through. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it to you accurately, but that's the vibes that I get. He just has no, uh, he, I mean, he's just got no like maneuverability to him. He's got like no lateral movement. You know, he's just like, he can just like run at the rim and that's really about it. Like he can't, I like, I feel like he's not very comfortable running backwards. Uh, which is a problem when you're an NBA player. Um, it, it's just... I feel like running in general. Yeah, he's just kind of like... He's just kind of awkward out there. And I mean, like... I, I, it's, I don't know. I just feel like he's been around enough at this point where he's not going to really try much harder than he's trying now. Um, and it's just kind of like really... Um, you know, it obviously... He's on a, a, you know, ostensibly a one-year contract with the, you know, second-year team option. But man, that this is a guy we gave like fifteen million dollars to. Like, I get it; he can go off for like a twenty-five-point game some nights, but like, literally anybody else on the team can do the same thing. Like, that is not a skill that's in super, you know, high demand on the Knicks right now. You have Julius Randle, you got Marcus Morris, you got, you know, RJ Barrett, you have, uh, you know, even to the, to like Trier or Knox at, at certain points, like those are all guys who are pretty much capable. Knox a little bit less so in Trier because he's not getting playing time, but um, like that's a, at least already like, you know, three guys ahead of him that can get an easy 20. 
I just, I, 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 it's just his. I don't understand what he truly offers to the team. I thought it was a way better move, kind of moving to Taj Gibson a little bit in the second half, and like he's he doesn't really do too much out there, but like Lord knows he's not like just actively avoiding the ball on defense. Yeah, just like like just back to Bobby for just a second. Like it makes sense. Like he shot forty percent from three. He played most of his minutes at the five. It's two thousand nineteen. He's a he's a stretch jump shooting big man. You know, shooting you need it. You need it at that position. You need to be able to space the floor. Like it makes sense, right? It makes a lot of sense. But then when he's on the floor, it doesn't. It's just very yeah. confusing. So I don't know if David Fizzler needs to keep shuffling the lineups and trying to figure something out. I don't know if having actual point guards, you know, come back. Alfred Payton, Dennis Smith Man, Jr. I don't know if we have uh, actual point guards. I, I mean, Alfred at least is your, your prototypical pure point guard in the sense that he's just going to look to pass first. Dennis is, though he assists at a similar rate, you know, he's a scorer by nature, so he's looking to score first. It's just, can we just, they're, they're definitely point guards. Can we just agree it's on just, something after like eight games here? This team makes no fucking sense. Like, no part of this game makes sense. Like, this, this. Now, now, I don't want to rile everybody up, but this is kind of why all summer I was trying to like be the wet blanket. Because everybody was angry all summer with the, the power forward jokes and it's going to be fine. You know, Marcus Morris plays the three and, you know, uh, Bobby Portis plays the five. But like even with that and you, you put them as whatever positions you want to put them as and label them however you want to label them as, they still all have very similar games and like to operate out of very similar areas. So just because you want to yell and scream and say, well, oh, you know, this guy plays the three, this guy plays the five. They still kind of muck it up for each other. Yeah, they, like, it's not so much that they like, play like multiple ten- positions. It's just kind of that they all play no position. And they're all yeah, kind of just, in the same space. You it, know? It's, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's great that they can, you know, play the three, the four, the five, play multiple positions, mix it up a little bit. But Tonight I saw Marcus Morris out there at the three with Julius Randle at the four and Bobby Portis at the five. What the fuck are we doing, man? Yeah, it, it, what, what is what do you hope to accomplish from that lineup? Like what? I, I don't even remember who the guards were at that time. Prob, I'm going to assume one of R.J. Barrett or Frank Nealakina, uh, probably R.J. Barrett because he apparently never sits down anymore. Was in the game, but I, uh, what? I mean, that's not a good defensive gonna end up front court. Stuff. Yeah, Knicks are definitely going to end up having to trade some somebody off this team because it's just not making sense now. I'm just worried that they're going to go well, the wrong way and trade like somebody they don't have to, um, like Knox so, or some shit. You know, no, no dream scenario for me. Um, and I actually very much enjoy having a, a Morris brother on our team this year. Uh, I've been, you know, you know, like. There's those guys around the league that you always hope you get to root for one day. Like Patrick Beverly is on my list. I hope I get to root for him one day on my team. Uh, 
one of the Morris twins was always on my list, so got to check that off. But um, I would dream scenario they flip him for like a first, like they they just kind of showcase him. I but like for a little bit. Uh, it, like, but I don't trust this team to ever do that. That would have made more sense to me to uh, like sign to a two year deal or like a you know a. a you know, year plus or, you know, a one plus one with the team option on it, whatever, because like, then he would have any kind of value in a trade. I just like worry that because he's on that, you know, just simply like a one year deal with nothing at the end of it. Like no one's going to want to give up a first for him, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a decent point, but you got to hope somebody wants to overpay that's a contender. Also, I've re- I feel like we have this conversation every year yeah. with like. I, uh, I realized today oh, that, what was that. No, I realized today that uh, Marcus Morris is literally just Carmelo Anthony with a bigger body and uh, less shot volume. Like some of the moves that he was making out there, like it, it was just like he's just like slower footed Carmelo Anthony out there sometimes. Um, which is fun. That's a, you know, it's exciting to watch. Also, I had a thought today too. Um, kind of think Carmelo Anthony might be, this might be fun. This is a take. You ready for this? I think it might be interesting if Melo signed with the Warriors. Think about it. There is interesting is a word for that. There is no one there to get in his way right now. Eric Pascal put down 34 points the other day. Like, I didn't know that name until he put down 34 points the other day. And I I also heard that in their game, uh, was it a day or two ago, the uh, player with the most experience in their lineup right now, the most tenured warrior, I, sh- I should say, in their lineup, uh, was Damian Lee, who is on a two-way contract. He could do it, man. He could do it. If Melo wants that a swan team, song, if Melo you know, wants a swan song, go he, play for three months. Not not even the full season. Like he, his contract is literally until the day Steph Curry gets back, and then he sits. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you might as well just bring him back on the Knicks and let him get a swan song. I mean, what? Give us, give us something to cheer for. One and seven. We got to yeah, play the right? fucking Mavericks on Friday. I mean, we're Can in no imagine? position to play KP. Luka Doncic is averaging a goddamn triple double, and now yeah, you're going to drop this shit on us. We're going to get to that. But, but here's the thing imagine putting Carmelo Anthony into this forward mix we have right now. Like taking nobody out and just sticking Carmelo Anthony into the middle of it. I mean, that is hell. That is basketball hell right there. That you literally have every power forward at that point. Every one of them. All right. I got to read some ads. Support for the Next Wall podcast and Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Uh, we've all had those moments where things have gotten a little bit mm, hairy below the belt. 
And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Don't use that same trimmer on your face you're using on your balls, by the way. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BLUEWIRE. The holidays are almost here and you know what that means, gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, Untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at just the right length no matter its size, so he always looks casual and sharp. You know that those shirts you buy, everyone's got a couple of them that are just a little bit too long, just a little bit too baggy. Um, you know, they kind of go around that midpoint in your thigh and it's just, you know, it's just too much. It's no good. You kind of look like you're wearing a garbage bag and Untuck It has more than 50 plus fit combinations. Uh, so they look great on tall, short, slim and athletic guys of all ages. You know, it fits your frame really well. And you know, they, get, they have all these different materials and designs and color options to choose from. Uh, it really gives you a lot to be able to customize and you can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a small relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. And lastly, support for the Next Wall podcast also comes from Axios. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and the NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who will get caught up on the day before it even begins. Best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. So the other thing that kind of was bouncing around uh, Nick's Twitter over the course of the last week was uh, we had we come into a little bit of a load management crisis of our own. You know, there's been LeBron James load management crises. There's been uh, Kawhi Leonard load management crises. And now we have the R.J. Barrett load management crisis, uh, which began after the Knicks got blown out by Sacramento Kings in a game where 
RJ Barrett play 37 minutes, I believe. Um, and after the game, David Fisdall made some pretty pointed remarks about, um, you know, load management being BS and all that. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, going on to the trope that RJ Barrett's a rookie, he should be able to play all of the minutes uh, that he, you know, can handle at this point. And it seems to be something that's really polarized the fan base at this point. Uh, some people saying that, you know, kind of what echoing Fizdale say, saying where he's a rookie, he can handle this workload. This is not going to be a problem for him. And some saying that, you know, we need to not be playing him in games that are, you know, unwinnable and unnecessary because it increases the risk of injury and long-term wear. So where do you stand on this one? Do you think RJ, you know, should be resting at the end of long games and in those garbage time minutes, or are we all about getting him all the reps he needs to get? So I am firmly in the middle. Um, The way I look at it is I... Mostly agree broadly in the sense that, yeah, I mean, he's 19 and he's in incredible shape and he's built like a grown man and he seems to be like, you know, stamina wise, he can play these big minutes. Um, and we always complain that our young guys don't get to play enough. So, I'm, you know, on one, high, one hand here, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, let him play as many as he wants. This is This is fantastic. And then on the other hand, the argument is very clear what people were saying. It's it's basically uh, you can play him big minutes, but why would you play him? It, you know, it's like you're playing him big minutes for the sake of playing him big minutes when you're down 20 with four minutes left, you know? This is kind of silly. It's like, why even, what's the purpose of keeping him in the game now? You know, like, it's it's over. It's over. Like, you're not coming back 20 points in four yeah. minutes. Like, just give it a rest. So, now I, I, I think that's kind of the, the distinction people were kind of being willfully ignorant about. You know, it's it, what it comes down to is, um, you know, that my but anyway. My opinion uh, is that RJ is a rookie. Like, yeah, he, he I, I kind of am in a little bit in the middle with you as well, but. I kind of am taking a, a bit of a different approach on it where he is a rookie. He can play, you know, those kind of minutes. I think a good coach and a, you know, capable player realize at a certain point when the game is going to be out of hand. And then you need to use those minutes effectively. Like those are the minutes where RJ Barrett should be practicing his three pointer in a real, you know, in a real game scenario. Like those are the minutes where he needs to be working on, you know, the other kind of parts of his game that he wants to improve upon. Um, Like those are kind of the the minutes where I want to see him, you know, going off and taking kind of crazy shots. Like I, the only, to me, the only reason, the only way those extra minutes at the end of the game get wasted is if he is just kind of doing more of the same things to trying to force his way to, you know, an unreachable win, you know, just for the sake of competing. And I worry that that is the approach that Fizdale trying to take right now. And that's kind of what I read from his comments the other day. Uh, to me, that's a mismanagement of his minutes where you're just kind of leaving him out there, you know, for the sake, for no real, with no real game plan or reason for it. But 
to me, if you were able to use those minutes for real experiment, you know, really experimenting, really trying to work on things you've been working on and get them up to game speed like that, that to me is worthwhile. But I, I you know, it's it's uh, he needs they need to be working on those things, both in practice and outside and making sure they, they it's, it's also a case of they need to be honest with each other. And RJ needs to be able to tell them when his you know, he is not feeling it. And if he feels things starting to be a little bit too much, because at that point, that's when we need, you know, the coach to be able to take it down a notch. Yeah, pretty much. Just be cautious. But I mean, I saw on tonight he was uh, fourth in the the league, not just rookies, the league for yeah. minutes He's played sandwiched so far. between Damian like, Lillard and CJ McCollum. Yeah, like it's a little high. I don't mind that he plays a lot of minutes, but you don't got to play him right. all. Right, he the should minutes. be playing above like, thirty. I don't think anyone's trying to disagree with that. Like, to me, the 30, 35, and thirty-five should be like right, the high right, end. Totally. I, and, then, and then if it's a, if it's a close game, and you need him, then you play him closer to forty. You know what I mean? Like, but just playing him forty on average every night, like I don't know which. This it's too a little too much and. Normally, I, I I hate agreeing with like the group think, but I it just it's sensible, you know. It's just it's just too many. Yeah, uh, and I think that we will get there. It, my concern, more than anything, it's not even really the topic at hand. It's how it was handled. Um, I'm more concerned with you know Fizdale taking a very, uh, you know, kind of like a, a really. I don't know what what to say, a stubborn approach maybe to this whole situation. Like, you know, like I don't, I I don't think that he should be scoffing at the idea of load management because like, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm very much for load management being a thing throughout the NBA. And I think that's that players who handle, you know, obviously they're paid more than other players, but, you know, the guys that handle more on a night to night basis, like their body is going to wear down faster than the other role players who aren't playing as much minutes. Like that's just a fact. So playing them the same amount of games is a, is a tough challenge on those high volume guys. And that's when we see, you know, those, those kind of major injuries happen that come from, you know, wear over time and, and being run down. So, you know, I, I really think that we, uh, I really think it's something that should be considered in the future. Now, obviously the Knicks aren't a team that are worrying too much about playing their their guys, you know, a hundred games a season with playoff runs and stuff like that. But it is still something that, um, you know, they, they should at least be concerned with for the time being. Um, so, I guess, you know, before we get going here tonight, the only thing we really got left here is to look ahead. And there's kind of a big game coming up on the schedule, Kyle. Um, This Friday, it is uh, the Knicks will be on the road. They will be playing against the Dallas Mavericks. And that means it's going to be the first time that the Knicks face off against their former uh, number four pick, Chris Sops Porzingis, um, who, as everybody who is listening to this podcast knows, 
left the team under very tumultuous circumstances in uh in late January uh to which the Knicks were awarded Dennis Smith Jr. and you know two picks and everything. Um but you know Porzingis is back on the court in his first year um you know after tearing that ACL and you know he's he's been finding a pretty good fit down there with Luka Doncic kind of going nuts as well and uh yeah I uh you know I I it's going to be tough cuz I know he's going to be motivated um to prove a point and I know that the Knicks are probably going to be motivated to prove a point to uh you know to him as well but the you know the team this is definitely a uh a matchup the Knicks are going to have to step up for Dallas is at the very least competitive and with the talent that they have on the court at a given time like I mean it's going to be a tough challenge for the Knicks to be able to keep up with them you know like I don't even know who do you put on who do you try to stop Luca with? You gotta go Frank, right? I mean, you don't have another choice. And if Frank is the man that we say he is defensively, it shouldn't be a problem. I mean, Luca's gonna get his, but how difficult is Frank gonna make it for him? Is he is Frank gonna get in classic Frank foul trouble? In the first four minutes, you know, it's that's the main thing that I'm keeping my eye on. You know, KP and and Randall have matched up many times in their short career so far, many times. And they've gotten the best of each other a few times and they're going to be banging. And so we already know what's going to happen with that one. Um, You know, Randall's gotten the better part of KP. Most of those matchups, I hope that continues, but Randall's still trying to find his footing here. But honestly, I think you got to put Frank on uh, on Luca. That's the only thing that that makes sense. And Frank's rolling right now defensively. He's feeling good. Three blocks tonight from your point guard. Uh, I, I will take it. That's not a thing that happens often. So hopefully, I mean, he's he keeps that, that rolling. Like, he's just long enough to be able to, uh, you know hold his own down a little bit lower, you know, just keep his his arms up, be able to get those blocks. But yeah, I mean, like, you're right. He is going to be the only, uh, the only hope the Knicks really have. I, you know, I don't really see anybody else being able to stop him. And then, you know, I, I'm even interested to see what Mitchell Robinson, if he ends up playing, will be able to, uh, you know, potentially him holding down Porzingis just because of his length alone. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not, I'm like certainly not holding out hope that Julius Randle is going to have a defense, a good defensive game against Porzingis. Like it's happened in the past before we've seen it, but I mean, he has just looked really bad up until this point. So I, I don't know if this will be the moment where it, you know, it all comes together for him. But I mean, it's certainly going to be a charged game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, you know, I think we all know what we're all hoping for in that one. Just won a fucking game, man. Jesus Christ. Like, I know. I, th- I really, really, after like year. watching the first quarter tonight, I thought they were going to have it. I really thought this was going to be the game they were going to be able to bring it. I thought Julius Randle was going to have it. I thought Frank was going to have it all game. Like, I thought RJ would, would be able to come around, but it just... Yeah, we haven't even really talked about RJ tonight. He was just kind of quiet out there. 
He's no, I mean, God, he, needs, the, he needs to hit his free throws, this is, man. This is, this is this is what I liked about RJ when we talked about him all offseason after we drafted him. I liked RJ because I wasn't worried about him the most, aside from Zion, uh, with his like bust potential, if you want to call it that. You know, we talked about it at length that I felt his floor game, you know, was meant, you know, kind of for a successful NBA career. Guys who try on defense, give a shit on defense. Guys who are always passing and assisting, you know, not necessarily getting gaudy assist numbers, but a solid amount. And you could tell they're always making like the right play, the right read. And uh, his rebounding for his position is just, it's just tremendous. So I felt like even on nights when he wasn't shooting well, which is tonight, he was 4 of 12 from the field, um, you know, from the free throw line. What was he? 6 of 11. So, I mean, he's shooting terribly, terribly today, right? But even still, he was finding ways to stay involved in the game. Eight assists, six rebounds, two steals. Yeah, you know and I, mean? I do like, think that, that the free throws will come around. Like, like, yeah, I, I, like, I'm not really all that concerned about it, but... I, well, he, he he is finding his I way mean, to the line, like you're saying. That that is super super important, and like often pretty hard for a rookie to get down. Like I mean, we're still waiting for like Frank Nealakina and Kevin Knox to be able to get to the line effectively, and RJ just comes in and he does it from day one. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm confident in RJ, but. We'll see what happens. I would just like a very efficient, very, uh, I don't know, just dunk on KP, RJ, please. Just give us one yeah, thing to I need, about. I need this something. Been a tough like, weeks. I need something. <laughs> I really, oh, man. At least dunk on, like, Tim Hardaway Jr. or something for me. The amount of times I had to talk about that fucking scrub. Uh, I, I, I did tried too. To have his back, I really man. did. He's a scrub. I felt bad, man. You know, I know he was trying. He didn't hand himself that seventy-two million dollar contract. He was trying, yeah. He oh, yeah, he did. It. He what did no the, the Knicks came in like what twenty-four million above any other team? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. We basically uh, help it ourselves, but, but you know. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't really have any ill will against Tim Hardaway Jr. I just uh, got real tired of talking about him after a while. Um, also, we have a couple of more games after that this week. We have the Cavaliers and the Bulls. Uh, the Cavaliers game coming on Sunday and the Bulls on Tuesday. Um, I would say those are both pretty winnable games. Like you're saying, the Knicks really, really need a win because we are one and seven right now, and it's it's looking pretty dire out there. Like, I I don't even. It's kind of crazy to me to think that like we are tossing around the idea of the Knicks possibly winning thirty games this season because like, unless something clears up, like this team just doesn't have any continuity out there. Yeah, uh, so our uh, fellow Blue Wire pod mates, if you even call them that, I don't know what the proper terminology is, but um, our our podcast family, 
uh, Laz Jackson from the Pistons vs. Everybody podcast. I was just on his uh, pod, who's so he's in our Blue Wire family. You can go follow his pod. Uh, great guy. Great guy. And we chatted about tonight's game briefly. And uh, he asked, he's like, what is, like, what's up with that roster? Like, it just doesn't make much sense. Like, when they're all running around together. And I was like, yeah, it just kind of feels like everyone's trying to do their own thing again. It feels like it, it, there's no, I feel like it, it's a bunch of guys trying, trying to accomplish the same broad goal and trying to implement their own individual plan to get there. Like they all want the same end result and they're all on different wavelengths on how to get there. And it's just like Julius is trying to do everything on offensively. He's trying to throw every pass and, and score every point and be a first option he's not supposed to be. RJ's trying to come in and make a statement from day one. Frank's fighting for his life to stay in the NBA and on this Knicks roster. It's just a it's just a weird weird dynamic right now i hope they get it figured out and but th- there's like no chemistry right now it's just it's it's just like i, I don't know like they're really trying they're looking for something out there like they're talking to each other at least like so there's some hope but like yeah they i just i just don't see the avenue towards it like you know i feel like we could stagger these rosters we could change these lineups around but like it's just not a good person that like makes the personnel that they have here like they need to start trying to think of ways that they can get some value out of certain guys on the team and like get some guys who can play better positions and are on maybe you know contracts that could be uh you know unimposing over the next couple of years because it's i mean i don't know like i i i just i don't know how they I don't know how they changed this up. Uh, you know, it really, a lot of it comes down to Randall being worth the money that he was paid. Like I, like he just needs to be able to be a leader offensively and passable defensively, you know, to be able to, you know, like, I just want to see him making a difference on the court at least. And, you know, we'll see what he's able to do over, over, the, you know, over this next season or next couple of months, at least like, like he's got some value. I don't think he's an unmovable contract at any point. And I think it's kind of crazy that we're, you know, talking about that so early on, but I just, it's just something's got to give and I'm not sure what it is with this team. I stand by Julius Randall and my belief in him. It's not easy. I hope to look smart a month from now, two months from now. And, uh, we can laugh about these first eight games, but, um, I stand by him. I think it's tough to come in and, uh, you know, be tasked with being the top option on the team. Um, I think he's capable to a degree, but, you know, there's going to be ugly nights like tonight. Yeah, it was great to see him get back on track shooting. Um, that's definitely important. You know, scoring is always going to be the most important thing. He just, you know, they they got bullied on the boards tonight. Drummond was just the stockpile in them. Uh, Julius was rendered ineffective. That's a big part of his game. You can't disappear like that. Um, assist wise, you know, RJ was kind of point man tonight. So Julius didn't really get many chances to do too much. Um, he just wasn't really defensively. He wasn't good. The last good defensive game he played was against the magic this season in Orlando. Um, but 
he's just he's got to start putting it together. I love that guy. I'm on record. I wanted him here. Um, he just doesn't look. He like it's like every game he does a different thing well. Like there's a, there's a game where he'll, he'll pass better. He'll like pass and rebound well, but he can't score. Then there's a game where he's not doing anything well offensively, but he's at least defending well. It's like and he's he's just not putting it all together. And I'm hoping it's just new situation, all new teammates, yeah. new offense, new you know like you're trying to fit in. But uh, we'll see. I mean, next two three weeks should be very very telling. December is when you, teams start to really settle into whatever identity they've kind of called for themselves. So. Uh, We'll see. I mean, starts with uh, Friday here. Let's see what they got. This is obviously going to be a contentious game. So, uh, you know, we play them twice in a seven-day span, six-day span, I think. So yeah. let's just get it over with, man. Uh, just win one of these games. Just one. You, you split it, I'm not going to be mad. You, right. you lose two, I'm going to yep. be mad. I think, uh, I think that's a good place to look forward to. And, uh, you know, we will see a lot well you know we'll learn quite a few more things before we talk to all of you next week so uh everybody go subscribe to us on itunes on youtube if you haven't already we appreciate all of you uh check us out on twitter at corbo anthony at kyle maggio at the next wall at tkw podcast um head to the next wall.com read up on what our writers are delivering right now always a ton of great stuff and yeah a lot of games coming up we will talk to you all next week